Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I want to talk to you about the heart of Thanksgiving today. The heart of Thanksgiving. First Chronicles 16 and verse 34. When you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait on me. All right, we're getting there. So good to have you. Welcome. Uh, I did I did get a call before service and someone was trying to get here. Looks like you made it. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Um, the bravery, the bravery, man, of finding the church. I appreciate all those that put out banners, but sometimes we need a little help. So thank you for making it today. Also, thank you for picking up your pies today. If you don't know and you have a pie that you ordered, take it to your family and enjoy it for Thanksgiving. They are available, and um, we're thankful for that fundraiser. Verse 34, oh, give thanks unto the Packers for winning. No. Oh, give thanks to the government for the check. No, that's not coming. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Amen. In verse 35, And say ye, save us, O God, our salvation. Are you glad he's your salvation? And gather us together. That's what we're doing today. We're gathering together. And gather us together and deliver us from the heathen that we may give thanks to thy holy name. When we're delivered, the response is supposed to be giving thanks to his name. Let that just ruminate, I guess, for a minute. But when we say God deliver us and he does it, you ought to give glory and honor to his name for doing so. And glory in thy praise. So he says, give thanks to thy holy name and glory in thy praise. Thank you, Lord, for this moment in your word. We ask you to bless the hearer and the word. Let me do a good job in a little bit of time. Let me say only what I need to say. Help me to be a conduit for you today, Jesus. In your precious name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Amen. First of all, I'm going to say, as the three-year-old says, Happy Thanksgiving. It's always a joy to have children in, the, in our lives because they're so thankful for things at times. And then other times they're not thankful at all. <laughs> but the times when they are thankful is absolutely adorable. Did you know that thankfulness is a doorway? It's a doorway. It's an entrance place. That's why Scripture says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Because, as Brother Reese said this morning so amply in the Spirit Life class, thanksgiving attacks your pride. And when you enter into the gates with thanksgiving, what you're doing is you're actually coming in humbly. Because the Bible says that God resists the proud. And so you have to know that your access point to God is through thankfulness. 
And you can have all the trappings, you can have all the layout, you can have the pumpkin pie, you can have the apple caramel pie, you can have the nice turkey with the stuffing, and you can have the amazing yams with the marshmallows melted over top so perfectly. Is anybody getting hungry yet? You can, have every, you can have a family gathered together where there's no awkward moments and there's no black sheep of the family and there's, there's nobody not talking to each other and nobody having any kind of friction or irritation in the family. You can have all of that go so well this Thursday and you can have an absolutely perfect Christmas and have no thankfulness because it's not about what's on your plate and it's not about who you gather with and it's not always about who's in your family who is not part of your family who is co contributing to your family's health and who's not it's all about what's in the heart because to have a thankful a thankful heart is really the key to having thanksgiving be what it needs to be so thankfulness is your access point you have to understand that whenever I'm preaching today, I'm preaching from a thankful heart. I'm thankful that I'm here for one because God spared my life many times. And number two, I'm thankful for the fact that I have a home that's strong in Thanksgiving, amen? A home that, that reaches out and touches each other in ways that when we know that we're not feeling well, my son will come and put his head on my shoulder and he'll say, dad, I love you. And dad, we're gonna get through this. And, and my wife will, will know whenever I'm not having a good day and she'll just say, hey, we're gonna get through this. We have good days and we have bad days. But when you're thankful together, it helps lift the load. Amen? So I'm going to grab Proverbs 4.23, Seth, and then jump to Philippians 4 and 7 because I want to kind of hit this gates thing real good for you today because if we don't enter into his gates with thanksgiving, then we're simply just having a thanksgiving that is not a thanksgiving. In other words, the key to my message, here's the big idea today that I want to share with you with very clear verbiage, and that is the heart of thanksgiving is to have a thanksgiving in your heart. It literally comes from the heart. And if, if you don't have a thanks, you can have a family that's completely um, disjointed and completely not willing to come together on the holidays. And you, you may have to do your little potluck in the microwave to have your Thanksgiving. But if you have a thankful heart, you can sit down, put your chicken potluck or turkey potluck before you, and you can have a thankful moment and you can have a very blessed moment because Thanksgiving comes from the heart. It really does. And that is your access point to places where you can be. Brother Dean's bringing something over here. He's going to set it right in the center here. That's fine. And what this is, is this is actually a backpack full of weights. It's actually dumbbells is what it is. I don't know why they call them dumbbells, but I don't know. You can't get smarter lifting, I guess. I guess that's what it is. But if I wanted to lift this, and all I have is one link of Thanksgiving, like I have... I'm thankful. I have a heart of thanksgiving. But if I don't have anybody around me that's thankful and I live in a toxic environment, hello, somebody, or I work in a toxic environment, or I don't have people that are really thankful, they're always constantly on edge with each other and always trying to get one up or climb the ladder of success. You know what it's like in places where you work. But if I go and I put my, my link of thanksgiving on here and I try to lift this by myself, yeah, that, that pretty much hurts. That's painful, Okay. But if, if you would look underneath your seat right now, if you'd stand up and you'd look underneath your seat, there's some other links in this room of thankfulness. And if, if you're not a thankful person, then give it to somebody next to you that is. Because <laughs> there's some people that have links underneath their chair. And if you find one, I want you to come up here real quick and stand in front. These are thankful people. Let's give all the thankful people a big hand that found one. You've got one. Come on up. Can you make it up here? Can you link those together for me and leave one open at the end? 
And yeah, come on, line up just right here. She's going to help you. You're doing great. If you open it up, we're going to link together all of our thankfulness. What this is a picture of is this is actually showing you the strength of thankfulness. And I want to talk to you about the fact while they're doing that, that when you enter through thankfulness, you actually have the ability to lift a greater load. So as they're linking their links together, look at all these thankful people. Give them a big hand. My mother used to say, whenever I didn't show that I was thankful when I was younger, she would like, are you thankful? And I'm like, yeah, I'm very thankful. She's like, well, then inform your face. <laughs> show it. The way to be thankful to where others appreciate it is to show thankfulness, okay? So that's what we're after. We're trying to show thankfulness. And in the course of being thankful, sometimes you deal with things that are very heavy and you're trying to live a thankful life. The scripture tells us where we were at in Chronicles, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endureth forever. And then it says, cry out, save us, God our Savior. Gather us to gather us and deliver us from the nations. This is a prayer of the people of Israel that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. What I'm trying to do for this illustration is give an example of what it's like to gather thankful people together. When you gather as thankful people, how many have come to church and you have not really felt the best when you came on a Sunday, but when you left, you felt amazing? I mean, you've, been that, you've had that experience. You, you know why that, you really know why that is? A, because God's presence meets with us. Where two or three are gathered in his name, scripture says, there he is in the midst of us. But if you have thankful people that get together and begin to worship the Lord, what happens is you, they don't have to know the load you're lifting to, today. They don't have to know what you're going through. They don't even have to know what's in your heart. But when you gather with people and you begin to worship the Lord, Suddenly, altogether, it becomes easy to lift something. The weights that you have to lift in life become easier because you've gathered with thankful people. Have you ever been around somebody who's unthankful and everything is a problem and then you leave feeling worse? Have you ever been around a person like that? They just drain every bit of thankfulness out of you. Just vacuum it right out. And you're like, I need to get away from you. I need to be around some people that are happy, that are willing to look at life with a little bit of hope, that are willing to look at life with a little bit of joy. Maybe they don't know what joy is, but they're trying to find it. Maybe they don't know what the hope is going to be for their situation, but but they still believe that there can be better in life, that this isn't where we have stopped and parked and we're not going to stay here in this perpetual life of problems, but we're moving on to something else. There's something better waiting for us. Does anybody believe that God has better for you waiting on you? That we're not done yet. He's not done with you yet. If he was done with you, you would have lived your best life and moved on to heaven, amen? But right now, you have to know that God's got something more for you. And if you come with a thankful spirit, you don't just affect yourself, but you affect the load lifted by every other person that comes into the presence of God. Anyone who walks into the house of God, that's why it says, gather us together and gather the nations together and gather us together under the banner of thankfulness. There is a banner of thankfulness over the church and if we be a thankful people the church that is in the church and the living the church of the living God the church that gathers together that's thankful the world will recognize the power of that lift the power that anointing that comes from thankful people that worship God with a heart of gratitude and they will recognize that I feel a lift in my spirit when I'm with people that know Jesus 
that I'm with, when I'm with people that know how to praise the Lord, there is a lift in my spirit. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever had something you just couldn't give thanks for? Have you ever had something difficult that you went through and you're like, I, I don't know if I can thank God for this. A friend of mine is a preacher and he preaches nearby. You know him if I referenced him. But he went through a young life where they were very poor. They didn't have very much money at all. And what he did was he would remember moments when his mother would gather them to the table to feed them and set the table and there'd be no food. Literally, they were so poor, they had no food to eat. But she said, okay, it's dinner time. Everybody, come to the table. We're going to eat. And they'd get to the table and, okay, we're going to pray over the food. And they're like, mom, uh, you've, this doesn't make any sense. There's no food here. There's nothing to pray over to thank God for. And she's like, well, we're going to pray anyways because I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I believe the scriptures. I believe God's promises. We're going to pray anyways. And so they would bow their heads and they would begin to pray for food that wasn't at the table, a table completely set with no food. And he said it happened more than once that as soon as they finished that prayer, I mean, he said at the amen, there was a knock at the door. And somebody came up and they just said, I don't know why, and I hope this isn't an intrusion, but I was at the grocery store today and I just felt like I needed to buy you some groceries and bring them over here. I didn't know if I was going to have to leave them on the doorstep or not. I'm so glad you're home. Here, this is for you. And would give them groceries enough to last them beyond that day's meal. They were thanking God for that meal, but it gave them groceries for a week or two weeks or three weeks. God knew how to provide. And it didn't just happen once. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't just something where, hey, this, this worked because mom had faith. They did it multiple times where they didn't have enough food and they sat down at a set table with no food and said, Jesus, if you're our provider, you're going to have to provide because we've got nothing else. We've got no place else to go. And I know we have places we can go in our society now, but I'm so thankful to have a story of pure faith from a preacher who preaches the gospel and said, had it not been for my mother's faith to say, we don't have it, but we're thanking God for it. Have you ever been in a place where you needed something from God and you said, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know if we even have what it takes to get it done, but I'm going to trust you, Jesus. Have you ever bowed your head and said, Lord, I'm going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving before I even have the benefit, before I even have the blessing? I'm going to pray a prayer. I grew up in a Pentecostal home, and I'm, I'm fourth generation, fifth generation with my great-grandmother, but she just got saved. I'm fifth, fourth generation Pentecostal background, so I get excited and, and get loud sometimes when I preach. And that means that we, our family has a lot of issues <laughs> because we've been in church so long. We have church issues. You know how it is when you go into the hospital and you can get sick in the hospital? That's what it's like whenever you've lived in church all your life. You get stuff from church. But what's interesting about my relationship with growing up is my grandfather had such great faith. I have stories to live on. I can live on his acts of faith. Did you know that you can learn from people and you can live other people's faith journey whenever you hear their stories? I hear stories about all of you all the time. I hear stories about how you've been faithful to God through hard things, how you've been faithful to God through difficult things. And I remember stories of my grandfather where they didn't have any money and they didn't have the ability to pay the light bill and they were living at the church. So if their lights go off, the church lights go off. 
You can't have church on Sunday. You have to open the doors and let the light stream in, and that's how they had their light. But he was like, God, this is your church. You have to provide. And he's in, he's in Palmer, Alaska, and at the moment, it's, it's cold. They need to pay their, they, obviously, they need to pay their bill because they need heat. And so he's like, I don't know how you want to do this, Lord, but I'm, I'm trusting you, and I believe that you're going to send something our way. And he walked out to the mailbox with a thankfulness in his heart. That's where I'm getting at. It's the thankfulness in the heart that opened the door. And he walked to the mailbox with a thankfulness in his heart. And he said, God, you can do anything. And he opened the mailbox and there was nothing there. Have you ever been there waiting on God? Where you just trusted God and you kept that thankfulness in your heart. And I know you're going to do something good, God. And I know you're going to do something great. But I'm not seeing it right now. Have you ever been in that moment? I have so many times. And I just had to tell myself, no, my heart wants to be sad. But sometimes you have to guard your heart with your head. Sometimes you have to tell your heart to be thankful. Sometimes you have to do like the scripture says in Philippians. And I want you to pull that up for me, media team, if you would. I think it's 4 and 7. Philippians 4 and 7. It says that we are to guard our hearts. No, I'm sorry, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In other words, whenever you are trusting God and you're trying to have a heart of thankfulness and it doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out, you have to literally tell your heart to keep being thankful and to guard your heart because out of your heart flows everything else in your life. You got to be careful what your heart falls in love with. You got to be careful how your heart thinks and feels. Now, I know the heart is not a thinking member, but it is the center of emotions in our life. It's referring to the being behind the being. In the scripture, when it says your heart, it's talking about the person behind the persona. And I know that I have a faith walk with in my life because of some of the stories that my grandfather told. And he went to that mailbox and he opened it and he said, my heart just sunk. I had to tell myself scripture. I had to rehearse to myself scripture. I personally believe that's why it says that when you hide scripture in your heart, you will not sin against God. Because somewhere in the process of burying scripture. You can recall it to mind and say, heart, believe this. When it looks like everything else, when it looks bad, when it feels bad, when it hurts, believe this. Believe the word of God. It's going to come true. It's going to happen in your life. It's going to be good. And you have to convince your heart sometimes when it looks completely different that God's at work anyways. Has anybody ever had to believe God was on the job when it wasn't working, when it didn't look like it? And so he walked, he turned around to walk back across the road and he got to the sidewalk and a car pulled up and this car had tinted windows and the windows rolled down and the lady said, are you the pastor of this church? And at that moment, he didn't know if he was going to get shot <laughs> or, if he was gonna, or if it was going to be a good thing because there was tinted windows. And he said, well, yes, I am. I'm the pastor of this church. And she said, here, I want you to have this. And she stuffed a big old envelope, envelope full of money out the door, out the window. And she said, I just want to pay my tithes. I'm back. I haven't paid my tithes in a long time. I need to pay my tithes. She goes, I needed to find a church to pay my tithes. I found you. You're the pastor. I know you'll do the right thing with the money. God bless you. And she drove away. And there was enough money there to not only pay the bills that they needed to pay, but it kept them for several months. And I'm thankful to God that even when your heart sinks, even when it feels like it's not going to turn out, or maybe it feels like there's something that's come against you that you don't even know how to fight, if you will just put the word of God on your lips, and if you will just put the word of God in your heart and mind, and just keep saying, God is faithful, his promises are sure, and everything that he does, I can trust in. Take heart in what God has done for you, and live on a thankful heart. Amen.
Just live in a thankful place. Scripture says in another translation, guard your heart above all else, for it is the course of your life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, another reference says, for from it flows the springs of life. Guard your heart and with all diligence, one other says, for it flows with life's issues. In other words, everything we do comes from the heart. So therefore, every action needs to be analyzed and needs to be carefully looked over. If you want the good things, it has to come from a thankful heart. You have to know that a good life comes from a thankful heart. Can we talk about the heart for just a minute? The Bible has a lot to say about the heart. Its usage is quite profuse. It talks about the heart in many places, but it's not talking about that four-chambered beating organ that's in your chest today, that's pumping blood through miles of blood vessels. It's not talking about that in Scripture. When it refers to the heart, it's referring to the spiritual part of you that responds or rejects God. It's referring to that place where Scripture says, with the heart, a person loves, in First Peter. It's in, in, in Psalms, it talks about, with the same heart, a person can hate. And with the same heart, a person can love. That's what it's talking about. Psalms 105.25, it tells us that a heart can hate. It also says that joy can flood a person's heart in Ecclesiastes 2. And it says that same heart can be overwhelmed with sorrow. When my heart is overwhelmed, the Bible says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That rock is Christ Jesus, amen? So in other words, we have to know where to go when our heart doesn't know what to do. You have to know where to go. That's why whenever my pastor was diagnosed with cancer, he came to the church and he said, I need you to pray for me. I need you to anoint two cloths with prayer. And we obviously referenced the scripture with that in Mark. And he said, I want you to anoint two, two cloths with oil. I want you to anoint, anoint a cloth that I keep in my pocket over my heart. And I want you to anoint a cloth that I set at my pillow in my pillowcase for my head. He goes, because when my heart doesn't believe, I need my head to tell me God's gonna do it. And when my head doesn't seem to have the, the, the right answers and I'm just confused, I need my heart to tell me that God's always been faithful and he's not going to give up on me now. He's taken me too far. So he needed a prayer cloth for his head and his heart. If you ever need something from God, just ask him, Lord God, if my heart doesn't believe you, touch my head to know better. And if, if, if I can't seem to find you in what I'm going through, remind my heart to be passionate about the things of God, that you've never failed me yet. Amen. Somebody, we need a heart that reaches for God. In fact, we find in scripture in Philippians 4 and 7 that it says what we must do in order to have a heart that's thankful. It says that we have to guard our heart. Obviously, guarding is necessary. But then in Philippians 4 and 7, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, or wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with thy getting, get understanding. The King James Version says, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding or passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you don't know what to do, you have to pursue the peace of God. It's the peace of God that actually helps your heart and your mind. So pursuing that peace in that we experience God, we know that our hearts can be secured by God. They can be guarded by God. Did you know that a heart can grow bitter? You know that, right? 
Did you know that a heart can grow peaceful as well? It can grow in peacefulness for, in Colossians 3.15. The heart can know terrifying fear. It's amazing that the heart has a capacity, the emotions of the human heart have the capacity to also then know from that same heart, find embracing courage from that same heart. How many have ever had a moment of fear, but then also know that you had moments of great courage? That you had times where you shouldn't have had maybe that kind of courage. Maybe it was courage without knowledge, but you still did it anyways. I think planning a church is one of those moments where you have a lot of fear and then you have a lot of courage at the same time. Where you don't know what you don't know, so therefore you just go ahead and do what you know to do and somehow it works. I'm thankful for, for the moments that God gives us where our heart wins out over our minds, when we don't have enough knowledge to do it, but God puts in our heart something to do when he plants a dream inside of us and says, you can do this with my help, but only with my help. How many know you need a dream to raise your children? How many know you need a dream to keep your family pulled together? How many know you need something inside of you that God plants there that's bigger than you that you live for, amen? Amen. You need a heart that reaches for God. The heart is is a dangerous place in scripture, obviously, the heart is a place where so many things happen. It's the, it's like I said, the person behind the persona. We all have masks, amen. They say there's three people in your lives. The one that the public sees, the one that your family sees, and the one that only you see. And the truth of the matter is God can see the one that only you see. And he knows you and he loves you right there. No matter how much you think, I'm not good at this, or, or I'm never going to be great at anything, or I just can't seem to find the right answers in life, guess what? God knows. God knows your struggle. And he's going to give you a security if you trust him in your life. He'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. That's what scripture promises us. He knows the character behind the charisma. He knows whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. He knows whether you're having a good day or a bad day. He knows whether you put on a smile just to help get through the day and you really don't have a smile in your spirit. He knows if you're cranky. He knows if you're hangry. Hello, somebody. Some of you are already hangry today. You're looking for lunch. He knows the man behind the mask, the woman behind the mask, the substance, not the image that we portray so often. The reality is not the reputation, but he's willing to give us grace, amen, that he values us. He values us behind the validation of others. They don't have to validate you if you have Jesus in your life. You don't need enough likes to go to heaven. All you need is a God who loves you and a God who you know keeps you. The heart keeps all things. Did you know that? The heart stores things. It, it collects all kinds of junk. There's, there's all kinds of things in the storage place of your heart. And if you were to sell it today on, sto- on you know junk wars, you'd probably get a good price for your storage unit in your heart because there's so much much packed in there. We have to go through that with God sometimes and just deal with what's in the heart because if you don't get forget um, if you don't give unforgiveness out of your heart, it'll be hard to walk in thankfulness. If you don't get bitterness out of your heart, it'll be hard to have a heart of thankfulness. If you don't get the things that block us up. There's one more thing about the heart because man's fall in the garden it, it, it helps us to understand that when we're equipped by God that we also can be walking away from God and have chains come on our life. And we can also have things become dark in our heart. You can also have difficulty 
and struggle and trials, the heart can become hard. Did you know that? It can be soft in the presence of God, but when you walk away from the presence of God, it can become so hard. The Bible even calls it, it can become like stone. Steel Smith was seemingly an ordinary boy. He looked like other boys. He just loved to play, had that vivaciousness for life and that gregariousness that every little boy has when they just love everything and want to play with everything. And they're, Dad, we're going to play football. We're going to go outside. We're going to you know, that, that kind of little boy where they're just, they just love to run and go hard and live life. And then all of a sudden, they're so exhausted that they pass out. You know what that's like? Anybody raise a boy in here? Little Steel Smith was like that. He was a little boy that had all kinds of wonderful things in his mind and heart. He loved so many things. And he looked no different than any other boy, but looks were deceiving because little Steel Smith was not like other boys. His body was at a war with itself. Literally within that six-year-old frame lurked the host of a disabilitating disease, which they finally found out could possibly end his life. The greatest concern, however, in his large team of doctors when they began to search out what was going on with his little heart, the medical community was just befuddled. It was an enigma. They, didn't ever, they had never seen it before. Little Steele's heart was turning to stone. It was calcifying. He had come in contact with something that caused calcium deposits to build on the human heart. And they began to build. In 1998, an article appeared in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel entitled, The Mystery of the Hardened Heart. When Steele was only a year old, doctors found a large piece of calcium in the right ventricle of his heart. The hardening had begun by the age of four. Calcium had nearly encased his entire heart. Little boy that just wanted to play. His heart was gradually and incrementally turned to stone. The doctors at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin searched the medical textbooks for anything remotely simil similar to Steele's case, but rather than presenting the symptoms of, that, of the single disease, the calcification of his heart was the result of numerous disease systems in his body working against him. And there was no reaction to his therapy. He continually... Increased and in Christmas 2000, Steele succumbed to this disease. He he died three years, three days after his sixth birthday. He died of a heart that slowly hardened and became encased with stone. While remarkably sad and rare that that story is, it suggests a greater and far more common problem to us in the church. Whenever we watch people's hearts spiritually and slowly take on different struggles and different trials, I ask you today, how is your heart? I want you to have a Thanksgiving that's lovely and beautiful, but how is your heart today? Is it beautiful? Is it, is it wonderful? Is, are you doing everything you can to monitor the things that get lodged in your heart or is, is there things building up over time that slowly make you feel hard-hearted and drift from God? And the Bible says a lot about the human heart. That's why I'm spending an entire sermon on it because I feel like the usage of our heart every day and our emotions are so important because we're having to use them to be successful. We're having to use them to reach out and keep relationships alive. And yet there are places in our heart that seem to want to grow hard. 
And so that four-chambered organ that I'm talking about is not the thing that's keeping you alive like little steel, but I'm talking about the tragedy of having things that destroy your spiritual life. The things that are unaddressed in your life that gather in the heart, the things that turn your heart to stone. Ezekiel 11 and 19 said the heart can become stone, but that God will take out your stony heart and put in a fleshly heart. He'll put in a new heart into our life. Are you glad about that? That no matter how hard your heart gets, you can turn around and walk the other way. You can become whole. And the beautiful thing about the story of the lepers that Jesus cleansed is that one turned back and thanked him. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he saw that he turned back, he said, go your way for your faith has made you whole. That one, the other ones that were sitting at breakfast that next week, follow me on this journey real quick. They're all sitting there and they're healed. But if you know anything about leprosy, you know that they lose fingers. They lose sensitivity. They lose, they have nerves damage so sometimes they'll end up losing fingers and losing hands and so they're all sitting at breakfast that next week and here's the one that went back to Jesus made his way back to Jesus and Jesus said because you had thankfulness because you came back you have been made whole hey man somebody thankfulness in your heart can make you whole again so they're all sitting there and some of them are struggling to have breakfast and here's him with all fingers all toes everything back to normal he's just eating his fruit loops and happy and they're all like what happened to Fred? And everybody's like, we, we didn't get our fingers back. We got healed, but we didn't get made whole. How did Fred get made whole? It's because he went back to Jesus with a heart of thankfulness. And he found a place where he could worship God with thankfulness. And in that moment of thankfulness, Jesus made him whole. I don't know how hard your heart can get, but I've seen people who can sit in the move of God. I've seen people who can sit in a church that's filled with praying people that love the Lord with all their heart and I hear band play worshipful music and they can sit there with their arms folded and feel nothing from God with a heart that's stone. And I'm telling you as a preacher today that you can walk away from those moments and you can say, I didn't feel a thing. Or you can turn your heart to God and you say, God, I want to be thankful again. I want the bitterness gone. I want to be pure in your presence. Touch me, oh God. Cleanse me. Wash me with hyssop as David said. Check me look me over Jesus see if there's any wicked way in me cleanse my heart oh God because from the heart comes thankfulness and from thankfulness comes a healing of being whole you cannot be whole from God if you don't have thankfulness in your heart I know people who have been saved sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost but they never learned how to live a life running on thankfulness they never learned how to live a life where they find God in a place of thankfulness in their life. They're constantly upset about something, but if you turn your heart to the things you're thankful for, you can find healing and you can find wholeness again in God. Yes, you're saved, sanctified, going to heaven, but wouldn't you like to live a life that's whole before you get there? I don't want to just talk about heaven and not live complete full lives here. What a, what a tragedy it would be. What a sad moment to live like Steel Smith to where we have a place called home in eternity, but we never have thankfulness in our homes. We never have thankfulness in our lives. Thanksgiving's not about a turkey. It's not about a ham. It's not about gathering together and having a football game with the family on the front lawn. 
It's about having a heart that's thankful. It's about having a heart that's thankful. Could you stand with me? I hope I've done justice to this sermon today because I'm yelling a lot, but I'm excited about the fact that thankfulness makes you whole. Thankfulness makes you whole. We stand together in his presence and we lift our hands would you do that with me right now? We stand together in his presence and we lift our hands to God. And I want you to ask the Lord, is there anything in my heart, Jesus, that would keep me from being thankful? I want to enter into the things that you have for me. I want to have access to all that you have designed for me. I don't want to just live a life where I say I'm saved and then live a difficult life. I want to live a life that actually leads to wholeness and that others around me can see that I'm living in a presence, in a place of thankfulness. Are you thankful today? Are you thankful today? I'm thankful that I can link with you today in your thankfulness. There are some times when I come to church and I don't know how I'm going to lift the loads I'm about to go into the next week. If you have something heavy that's coming up this week, I want you to link arms with somebody, and we're going to open an altar call. You can either get coffee. If you're not used to there, you can stay, but we're going to open an altar call. And I want you to find somebody to be thankful with. And I was going to ask the team that, that we could gather as families, but I know there's people here that don't have their family, so maybe you can link with somebody. If you can link with your family, great. If you have somebody near you that you can link with, just ask them, are you thankful? And then you can come and pray together. But let's make this a thankful day. Let's make it the best day of our life where we can actually step into the presence of God and we can lay down whatever's in our heart and pick up thankfulness. Lord, we need you today to address any issues of the heart. We want to walk into this week with thankfulness. We don't want it to just pass another Thanksgiving day. We don't want to just call it Turkey Day so we can get by it. But we want to be thankful for what we have. We want to be thankful for the good things. Thankful for the good things. Thankfulness is a choice. We sing this song together. And we want to praise the Lord. Would you make this a prayer room, Seth? The altar's open. Come on, let's be thankful to the Lord today. Let's lay down things that we've picked up. Let's assess our heart. Let's ask God to heal us. Let's ask God to analyze our hearts. Seek. Seek us. Search us, O oh Lord. I give you my heart today, Jesus. I give you my heart. Give me a new heart, Jesus, and put a new spirit within me. I will take a heart of stone out, Lord God. I will let you change my life. Give me a heart of flesh. Put your spirit in me, Jesus, and let that spirit address the heart issues. I come with thanksgiving that I might live whole and complete and changed in your presence. I seek you today, God. I seek you today, God, with a thankful heart. I seek you today with a human heart, a human heart that longs for you, but that collects all kinds 
of damage along the road of life. And I need you to repair the places that are broken down today. I need you to lift up the load that I have with someone next to me that's thankful. I need to link together the people of God as we sing this song. We pour out our praise to you. You're holy, Lord. You're holy, Lord. Great is the Lord. We pour out our presence to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray with somebody today. Be thankful with them as we sing this song. Reach out to somebody. Let them know you love them and you're thankful for them. In Jesus' name.